Hello. You've reached Hoop and Holler, a Square One podcast on basketball and other shenanigans. Danny Green, I'm mad at Danny Green. I just want to thank everybody that's been in my corner during this time. With Reagan Griffin Jr. Reagan, you're the best, man. I'm the clamp guy. I am the Giannis Antetokounmpo Whoa. of Lion Center. Eddie Sun. Probably won't get hired by, you know, ESPN anytime soon. Because <laughs> we don't got that clutch connection. And Julio Martinez. On uh, Giannis and the Bucks, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Please clap. It comes from at underscore underscore uh, Kalu2 on Twitter. Bro, the fact that you knew there were two underscores before the to at underscore underscore Kalu. He knows your that, Twitter. That means I'm tweeting it too much. But at, when it boils down, like, that's what we're here for is the yeah. basketball. Welcome back to another episode of Hoop and Holler. Gentlemen, this was inevitable at some point, right? Today we're going to be talking about the James Harden trade to the Brooklyn Nets, sending him to Brooklyn. Four-team deal, got a little bit convoluted, but we're going to be breaking it down for y'all, so stay tuned for all of that. Let's go ahead and jump into it with, I guess, what's now the elephant in the room, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Eddie. I know they weren't S-tier before. Talk to me. Does this make them S tier now? I don't even want to know how y'all doing today, by the way. I don't care. I just want to talk about basketball. <laughs> I guess it, it's too early in the morning. We, have, we haven't even had like 10 minutes to do anything today. Oh, no. Nah. Um, um, but does this make them S tier? I don't know. I don't think they're better than the Lakers still. But if you ask me, are they the best team in the East now or the favorites to come out of the East? I would like hesitantly say yes so there's that I think they're the best team in the East now but adding James Harden to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving gives them to to me the most talented big three ever constructed but can they play as the sum of their parts That that's something I'm not so sure See, about and because of that I would say they have like a slight margin over a team like Philly who I still like a lot mm-hmm. so if, if Brooklyn wanted to become, you know, more talented, a better team, a, a better favorite, I think they they accomplish their goal. But I don't know to what ends or, or to what heights this kind of goes because, again, you're getting a lot of players who kind of contrast and conflict with each other. You see, I, I it, it's it's difficult to you know analyze from from. It's difficult to just even believe that three, you know, obviously two of the players have won MVPs before in their careers. And Kyrie, although he's never won an MVP, never really been top two or three, he's like a kind of MVP caliber player. Um, But yes, what Eddie said, this is undoubtedly, I have no hesitancy in saying this, this is undoubtedly, if you want to say top heavy or just best team talent wise, Ever, I mean, I I feel like that that goes unsaid. That that goes unsaid. When you have KD, the greatest scorer ever, in my opinion. When you have Kyrie, the most skilled player ever, in my opinion. And you still got James Harden. I mean, it's it's hard to even wrap your mind around that a team can construct itself as as so. Plus, we're not even mentioning, you know. I'm not saying this is a big four, but you still got a guy in Joe Harris who might be the best catch and shoot shooter in the league behind Clay, and Clay's obviously hurt and not playing. So this this team is just insane, and um, 
My, my question, uh, or kind of retort back to you, Eddie, I know you're very hesitant, as maybe we should all be about this situation, but if James Harden is that guy, the, the guy you say he is, the type of passer, the willing passer you say he is, shouldn't this be kind of, I don't want to say an effortless fit, but shouldn't this be a, a good fit with everyone? It shouldn't be a problem knowing that KD is unselfish, He's super efficient, and he doesn't need to get up, jack up 20 shots to get his 30 points. Um, I mean, I agree with you that KD has shown that he's willing to be, you know, not as selfish after playing with the Warriors. I think he's capable of that. James Harden, I say he's a great passer, but again, it's kind of dependent on him possessing the ball in his hands a lot. And while I believe that he's capable of playing a different style, apparently Reportedly, Steph told Coach Budenholzer at the All-Star Game in 2019 that Harden didn't want to play the ball-dominant, heliocentric sort of basketball that he's been playing in Houston for a while. So maybe James Harden wants that change. It's just the only thing with having two players like Kyrie and Harden is, you know, it's like, you know that their sort of impact on the ball compared to when they're off the ball, it kind of falls off a cliff because... Kyrie and Harden's whole skill set is dependent on them creating things with the ball in their hands. And that's just the part with me, and I know all the analysts and talking heads have said, but there's only one ball, you're going to need three basketballs for this team to be good. I mean, I don't really believe that, but the truth to me is you have such great individual talents. It's kind of a shame that I don't really think that they'll be able to take all three talents and create something whole with it, that something will have to be cut. There's going to be half some big sacrifices to be made. And while the talent will still be good enough to, to make them the best team in the East, it, it's, it's just not going to be as complete as I kind of wish all those talents together would be. In my opinion, it's impossible to for everyone to be kind of at their best and, and idealize a situation like this. Somebody has to sacrifice. Kyrie can't be at his best while James Harden is at his best, while KD is at his best. And the, the, but while I, I, I do agree with you on this standpoint, though, that it is a shame that both of those players, Kyrie and, and James Harden's effectiveness, drops by a large margin when they're off the ball. It's a shame because both of those players are great shooters. Like, I, I consider Kyrie Irving to be a really, really, really good shooter. And James Harden's obviously, you know, maybe it's the lefty uh, uh, kind of effect, but he, he's also a great shooter. So, uh, hopefully it works out, and hopefully Kyrie comes back. Uh, I will say this: Did, did Brooke, Do you guys think Brooklyn got James Harden as a kind of insurance policy in case Kyrie doesn't come back, or, or nah. does, pulls this stunt in the playoffs? No, I mean I, I think Kyrie's a volatile dude, but I, I don't think that Brooklyn. I don't think there's a situation where there's an opportunity for Brooklyn to compete for a championship and Kyrie isn't present. Right? I, I think Kyrie's aware of the fact that you know. Sometimes the regular season's kind of just there, um, but when it's time to go compete, Kyrie's always been one to go out there and compete. So I, I, I wouldn't say it's an insurance policy. I'd say it's more of a just collection of more talent. By the way, I will also add that I've, I've talked a lot about before that Kyrie and Katie are great players, but their entire kind of scoring skill set is dependent on making tough shots. And the good thing about having James Harden there as a foil now is that I think Harden's the only guy on the roster now in Brooklyn who can get easy shots consistently. And I think that will really matter when it comes down to playoff time. 
when you can contrast a, a James Harden type player who gets layups, threes, and free throws versus Katie and Kyrie who will create separation in the mid range. You know, it's, it's good to have that sort of con- contrasting styles there. And it's obviously a way huge upgrade over Spencer Dinwiddie, but it was a big part of losing Dinwiddie was they kind of lost the playmaker and the guy who's scoring kind of thrives off easier shots versus like really tough shots. I will, and my I, thing is they got they got they were able to get Harden without giving up Spencer Dinwiddie, and that's you know credit to them for involving other teams. Um, but not including Spencer Dinwiddie, although he obviously hurt, is pretty huge yeah. in my opinion. Come next year, it's going to be something dangerous, and I feel like the only reason he wasn't included is because he is injured uh, for whatever reason. Teams weren't willing to invest in him long term, but I do want to circle back to this idea of how they all fit together because. I don't know. I, I kind of like to play with things and try to see potential in certain areas, right? And I see potential for, obviously, we know KD can play off the ball. He's probably the most equipped to of the three right now. But I see potential for two things in, K- in Kyrie and Harden. And y'all tell me what, like, I could be, you know, out of left field here. But I think there's potential for Kyrie as an off-ball cutter just giving his quickness and athletic ability, right? And there's potential for James Harden as a screener, giving his strength and his secondary decision-making, his ability to see the floor, see things before they happen. If I'm Steve Nass, I'm trying to tap into those two things with those two guys to try to make sure, you know, maybe we're not able to maximize all three at the same time, but I still can have a role for you on the court, even though it's not with the ball in your hands. I think that those two things could be something to look at. I mean, I I, I guess uh, ideally that could work, but... James Harden, knowing the type of player he is, although he is strong, he is stocky, and, you know, he got some belly in him. He got that McDonald's uh, uh, 10-piece chicken nuggets in him before the game started. Um, So he would be a great screener. But James Harden is the type of dude to go set a screen and be like, I I know we don't have cameras in this, you know, podcast, but he'd be like super bored. And, and like, not even set the screen. He'd be reluctant to do so because he'd be the he he'd want to be the one that that's on the ball. So, knowing James Harden, I, I just don't think he'd be engaged enough to to be a screener. Hmm. The funny part is with the Warriors, right? Because Steve Kerr ran this motion system and had Kevin Durant setting pin downs for like Zaza Pachulia or or whoever, and it was beautiful for a couple years until KD said. You know, he was tired of it. He was like, why am I setting these screens for some nobodies on the team when I can just have the ball and rock? You know, and, and I think that's what it boils down to is that I, I, I don't know that these three players will end up being capable of sustaining a sort of mentality where they're lively cutters and where they're enthusiastic about setting screens for DeAndre Jordan or whoever. You know, it's just like when it comes down to it, these three are, are, are scorers. They got... Like, I'm not saying this even in a negative way. It's like they got big egos in their scoring and their skill set. Like, they want to prove that that's what their game is about. Um, and I think that's what it really comes down to. Well, That's I'm, the best way to put it, yeah. I'm going to take a leap of faith here, man. I think when you put guys in an environment in which they have the knowledge that they can compete, right, this is a guy, when you have Kyrie, he's won one championship, but he clearly, you know, he, he cares about things outside of basketball, but I still think he has the will to win another championship, especially in this context. Kevin Durant's out with something to prove. Everyone kind of diminishes his accomplishments with the Warriors. Who's to say right now that he has literally what, it's probably the best big three in the NBA, like what really changed between the Warriors and now. But I guess it's kind of more natural because he was the first one to go there. Um, 
But I still think he has something to prove. And James Harden, obviously, has never won a championship in his career. So I think when you put guys in those sorts of situations to where they have a little bit more hunger and a little bit more will, they're willing to sacrifice certain things. And I, I give them the benefit of the doubt is my point. I think that this team's going to be a bit more cohesive than guys are giving them or people but are giving them credit for at this point in time. My, my, my retort to that is that, okay, James Harden, what, okay, whether it's James Harden or Kyrie being the number three in – I, I guess the hierarchy um they're not like chris bosh type number threes and obviously that trio was one of the greatest trios ever or may have been the greatest trio ever at that point but chris bosh isn't some you know mvp or wasn't some mvp type candidate he, or my point is he wasn't to the level of a james harden or a kyrie Irving. like those those dudes are are just you know they're, they're different and, and obviously Chris Bosh didn't play a position where he was on the wing on the perimeter. Uh, so same thing with Kevin Love. So when you have guys at different positions, it helps. Um, it just like Braun and AD. So having all three guys, you know, from the perimeter, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. To see. Well, gonna let me ask you this: Is a number three to you the guy who takes the third most amount of shots? No. All right. Who? Who? What? what define number I, three. Cause like, cause like, I I I'd consider AD the number two, and he takes a lot of times he takes more shots than LeBron. So how are we defining the number three? Just by like, whoever's the best. Like KD's obviously the best player there. Um, I, I guess if you want to consider Harden the second best player, and he's he has an MVP, fine. And then Kyrie third. See if it, the the reason I ask is because if we're looking at it by. A hierarchy of who gets what shots I could honestly see it playing out to where Kevin Durant takes the least amount of shots of the three um and I think he's yeah. comfortable with that I think I, that's probably yeah. the best case scenario. I think he's cool with that too yeah. Um, yeah I just hate Julio how you're so reluctant to give James Harden praise like you'll call Katie the greatest scorer and Kyrie the most skilled and then James and Harden <laughs> Harden's out here like perhaps the most complete offensive player of all time he's just not no he's good. not no, that that's KD, that's, or, or the most or the most masterful offensive player of all time, and, and you're just gonna you're just gonna that's, diminish. That's KD. I, I, I mean, option. I don't know. I don't know what Harden is the greatest at. I mean, drawing fouls. I know. I know y'all don't okay, think that's okay. a real thing. That, that's, but. Fair. that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. He's the greatest foul drawer of all time. But I hope that Demarcus Cousins and John Wall are happy that uh, uh, James Harden jumped off the wagon after nine games. Nine games, bro. You want to jump off the cliff after nine games? Yes, he wants to jump off the cliff after nine games. So I, I hope they're happy with Victor Oladipo. Yeah, let's go ahead and use that as a segue to kind of talk about this from Houston's perspective, right? Um, Four-team deal, they ended up with Oladipo. Obviously, you had shots taken by DeMarcus Cousins and John Wall. Um, Christian Wood, my guy, took a shot at Shaq. Just, that's besides the point, but... How do we see this playing out for Houston? Personally, I think that that, you know, obviously you can't become a better team for trading away James Harden. I even have my questions about whether or not they got enough back. But, you know, you look at Victor Oladipo, you look at John Wall, you look at if Boogie Cousins can become somewhat of what he was before. And you got Christian Wood, you still have P.J. Tucker, who may or may not get traded. But you have talent on that team. It can work. It can work. See, my my thing is uh, when... I remember Reagan and I were at the, you know, at the cores playing ball when, when it happened. And when I first saw it, I thought Houston was going to just end up with Karis LeVert and obviously all, all the other picks. 
And at that point, obviously, you know, you value the picks. But just getting back Karis LeVert was kind of questionable from my standpoint, especially if and only if, obviously, the Sixers made did make Ben Simmons available. So that was kind of questionable from, from on, on or from my perspective. But then they obviously flipped that to Victor Oladipo, who is obviously not the player that he once was, and maybe there is some upside where he can improve. But in my view, if you're just a pessimist, uh, um, Tillman Fertitta is not the most, I guess, liquid owner in the NBA right now. So he may just want to be getting, you know, uh, uh, under the salary cap and, and contracts off the books. O- obviously, Victor Oladipo is an expiring contract, and maybe that helps John Wall. I, I just don't think they're positioned well going forward. May- maybe, you know, obviously, yes, from a pick standpoint, but the players that they have, that's just – I don't know. It's a it's a weird kind of mix of guys that I, I just I wouldn't want my new head coach going forward with. I think if you're in Houston and Philadelphia was arguing or not arguing, negotiating in good faith, like they actually wanted to get James Harden, and by all reports, it seems like they were. I don't know how they don't extend the negotiation to try to make sure they get Ben Simmons from Philly. Because clearly he was available, right? And whether Philly wanted to give up Tyrese Maxey or Thibault is where the holdup was. But if you're in Houston, you're like, that's fine. Give me Ben Simmons. We can work with three or four teams and and I can get players elsewhere. And given how creative GMs are are now in today's league, I'm sure they can make the salaries work and everyone can get the players and the picks they want. It's just, here's the thing to consider. Houston doesn't have their draft pick this year. And they don't have their draft pick in 2022 or 2024 because of the Russell Westbrook trade, I think. So, uh, like, what's the point of tanking? Even if you're bad, you know, you're still going to give your pick to Oklahoma City. And it's not like you don't have talent on this team. You have John Wall. Christian Wood is, is really good. You know, I'm sure Ray knows what? I'm saying that. You what? But I've always <laughs> said he's very good. He's not a unicorn. He's just very good. He's a unicorn. Um, I mean, P.J. Tucker, they could probably get another asset out of that. But... I mean, just just having John Wall, Christian Wood, if you put Ben Simmons there, you know, if you put another player there, that's still a team that's not going to give you a championship maybe, but that's still a damn good team, I think, to be like a playoff contender. And then you can still get a haul of picks from Philly in that deal because, again, James Harden is worth that much. So, you know, if you're talking about Oladipo, one, I don't know whether Oladipo stays, and then that's just a sunk cost. And then you're hoping that Brooklyn is terrible by 2027. And that's just a long way out to really mortgage your future for. But again, the the Rockets might be wanting or the owner might be wanting to get rid of Oladipo, his his, uh, salary, his contract. I mean, that sure. I mean, Tillman Fertitta is, is kind of a fool. Like, everyone knows that. But also... Again, this is James Harden. You need to get the maximum amount of return you can. And to me, a proven young asset, like a proven young star, is worth more than a boat. I, I agree. Picks. Yeah. No, and, I, I, I agree. I, I'd I'd much rather have Ben Simmons and, let's say, two picks than Victor Oladipo, an expiring deal, and four or five picks. You know, and the thing I, is, I agree with still, and Houston would have still gotten four picks back for Philly. Yeah. Or, or elsewhere, they included other teams. It's just, I mean, I guess they'd rather have had, like, the eight firsts they now have from this deal, which I, I guess it's okay. Like, 
again, you're just banking on Brooklyn and those three stars aging or kind of um, kind of running out of love for Brooklyn and then maybe dipping after a while. But again, it's like you're hoping that 2026 draft is good and whoever's in middle school now become like high-tier prospects. Like it's kind of ridiculous to think about. And for the record, the Brooklyn Nets apparently have not will not have owned their first-round pick from 2014 all the way through 2027, which is kind of ridiculous. But, um, yeah, I agree with y'all. Ben Simmons was the best thing you could have gotten out of that deal because, you know, as much as I like young guys and I like the idea of going into the draft and trying to uh, find who projects to be the best of the next level— Proven commodities are always going to be the best asset that you can get. And Ben Simmons is as much of a proven commodity as you're going to be able to trade for in this NBA without, you know, breaking your back. Like, if you're going to trade a guy like James Harden to get a return, and Ben Simmons is what I view to be, if not already a top 10 NBA player, projects to be a top 10 NBA player. And you get him while he's, what, 24, 24, 25, somewhere in there. Um, so he's good for the next decade, right? Go get that. I don't. I, I don't really understand why Houston would have went for this rather than the other. Um, but you know, maybe they just have that much faith in their scouting department and ability to develop players that they didn't feel like they wanted Ben Simmons. Um, but yeah, if I, I agree with y'all, if I were in those shoes, I would have went with the 76ers every day of the week. And if I'm the 76ers, yeah. I wouldn't have like because the that's the thing is apparently the 76ers just backed out of it. If I'm the 76ers, right? I would have wanted James Harden. I would have done what it took to get James Harden because, you know, as good as this team can be with the way it's currently destructed, it could be even better with the James Harden. If it, 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 what was it, Jerry West, um, we, when we all went to go to Professor Fellinger's class and we heard him speak, if you have a chance to go for the championship, go all in. That was Jerry West, right? So I, I don't understand why they um, why they weren't willing to, you know, I guess, you know, Tyrese Maxey's a guy that I, I very much like as well, but hell, if you have an opportunity at that championship, man, you go for it. I thought that was a lesson that Daryl Morey, like, he takes to heart. It seems like he has a lot of confidence in developing this core, starting with Simmons and Embiid, but having Shake Milton, Maxey, um, you know, the Seth Curry, the other guys there. I guess, like, I, I was really confident in them. I think the front office is very confident in them as well. But I agree that Harden... I mean, not only would that have elevated Philly more, that would have maximized Harden's game going to Philly because, again, he would have been working with Embiid in a lot of space instead of kind of fighting for the ball in Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah, that would have been interesting. All right, let's go ahead and keep it pushing to... Uh, let's talk about this Karis LeVert-Victor Oladipo swap. That kind of threw me for a loop a little bit. I wasn't expecting that one, but, Eddie, I know you had something to say in that realm, so... I think, I think it's a really shrewd move by Indiana because at first, one, I think Oladipo is a much better player than Levert. There's some people that think they're equal. Um, to me, it's not really close. I don't know why people all of a sudden fell out of love with Oladipo. Uh, I know he has an injury concerns, but you know, just a couple seasons ago, he was a, a bona fide star in the making. I mean, he's been and playing well this still, year too, right? Like I, he, he's... he was. He, he is. He is. And, and I still think he is that sort of player. So... No, it's not. It's not one of those things where Oladipo, or not Oladipo, where Indiana made a lateral move or something. But if reports are that Oladipo wasn't happy with staying in Indiana, or Indiana wasn't super confident about retaining Oladipo at a price point they liked, this is this is a very smart move because I think Karis Levert is a great replacement for you know Oladipo, and especially given the kind of players Indiana has right now, they have Brogdon, they have Turner, they have Sabonis. You know, they'll have T.J. Warren, Jeremy Lamb back. 
Um, Karis LeVert profiles perfectly as the sort of go-to scorer, as kind of like a secondary distributor. And I think if Indiana Smart, they'll use him as kind of like a starter that plays a lot of minutes with the bench, kind of like what Brooklyn was doing this year as well. Um, But yeah, again, um, Indiana gets three more years of Karis LeVert at a pretty low cost compared to maybe you would have had to pay Oladipo the max. Again, for a franchise in in Indiana where no free agent is going to go, where there's not a lot of attention there, it's just good team building where they can prolong their sort of resources and prolong their sort of winning window by getting a player whose contract goes longer and is also pretty good in his own right. Mm -hmm. See, you you see, I I do agree with you. And uh, I, I truly believe that Victor Oladipo did not want to stay there. But it's... It's obviously you, you have to acknowledge, even if you're a fan of Oladipo's game, you have to acknowledge just how much his trade value has dipped. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're yeah. talking about it a little bit in, in this past offseason, you know, uh, g- before going into the season, um, the start of the season. Just how, how much is he worth? How much is he valued? Because not, we just, there's no real clear consensus. Uh, j- just like there's, uh, you know, Steph or AD or James Harden or guys like that. We know their value, but Oladipo seemed like he was a rising star, and then he took a hit. So seeing how much his trade value dropped, it's kind of crazy. But obviously at this point where we are now, Karis LeVert, just like you said, isn't a bad uh, kind of exchange or trade. I think that's the thing pro- with Indiana, though. Uh, I was just going to say, the thing about Indiana, including Oladipo in this huge trade package, though, is that no one really knows what his actual trade value has become. Because on one hand, you can say, well, Houston traded uh, Harden for Oladipo, you know, and say it like that. But on the other hand, you know, Indiana only got Karis LeVert back for him. I don't think they got any picks or whatever. So I think it was a good way for Indiana to mask Oladipo's inherent value, whatever it was, by kind of making him the secondary uh, piece in this trade instead of trying to trade Oladipo for assets directly. So I think that was also pretty smart. I think that's what I find so interesting about this Houston team is it kind of is like the band of misfits a little bit. A lot of people kind of forgot how good John Wall was just because of how much time he spent off the court, right, recovering from the Achilles injury. Uh, Christian Wood's a guy who I think got kind of uh, duped a little bit in terms of the contract. I think he's a lot, worth a lot more than what the nine million he's getting paid right now. Julio, don't don't give me that because he, he's no, worth no, he's no, more no, he's no, worth more than no, what no, he's getting. I'm, no, no, I'm not talking about Christian Wood. I'm talking. I'm thinking about this team would be good in 2017. Not right now. Not in 2021. Bro, anyways. I mean, again, DeMarcus <laughs> Cousins and, like, you know, the jury's still out on DeMarcus Cousins whether or not he's still going to be effective, right? But that's a guy who, again, has a chip on his shoulder, has something to prove. Same thing with Victor Oladipo. A lot of people are counting him out. They don't see him as the player that he was. Chip on his shoulder, something to prove. I see a lot of guys with chips on the shoulder, and I love those sort of <laughs> underdog story, man. So I want to see this Houston for the first time, right? Because Houston annoyed the fuck out of me for the past some odd years, right? Now I look at this Houston team, and I see a team that I can root for. A bunch of guys that have an edge about them, play the game of passion, are good, right? And, and it's kind of an underdog story now, which I think is pretty cool. All, all those chips are going to crumple in the chip bag just like their bones and their bodies bro wow uh, i mean it's, wow. it's just not sustainable wow. it's not sustainable hey, yo. it's not sustainable hey yo anyways 
let's move on. Can we on. talk about how the Cavs got another big? Yeah, I was just going to say, let's move on to the Cavaliers. So now we're looking at, are we ready for the Larry Nance, Jared Allen, Andre Drummond, uh, Le- uh, JaVale Kevin McGee, Love. Kevin Love lineup? We can run that. Yeah. But, uh, JaVale, JaVale McGee, do we throw him in there too? Of course you yeah. got to throw JaVale McGee yeah. in there. He's the most skilled big out of all of them. What? I mean, this has to this has to be your favorite team now, right? They got Darius Garland in like five sevens. Hey, <laughs> no, I think I'm good on that, man. But I do think it's interesting because, right, for what they gave up, I think they kind of got a steal. But that's what these teams with cap space and were able to take stuff on can kind of slide in and do on some of these larger deals. So I think you know you got a piece to build on in the future with Jared Allen. So good on the Cavs, I suppose. What do you guys think? I, I see. I, I think that was a very keen move, especially. Uh, isn't Andre Drummond a free agent like this yeah. upcoming year? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's very, very smart because I wouldn't want to hold on to him at his tag price. Get away from me. I'll, I'll buy your plane ticket to, to get away from me to your next team. So <laughs> having Jared Allen there to kind of secure that is, is very, very smart. Hmm. Well, here's a question. How many uh, top 10 centers are there on this team? Like all five, them. all of them. <laughs> but no, seriously, so I, I I actually really love what Cleveland is doing here, and I mean I know I gave Reagan a lot of flack for saying Garrett Allen's the top ten center or whatever, but he, he is he's very good. He is a very good center, and given what Cleveland is building right now with the two backcourt pieces in uh, Sexton and Garland, I think Chetty Osmond looks like a good player. Um, they have Okoro who, who they're trying to develop. Um, they're missing a big. And they're missing the type of big that will work well with these sort of players, which is a low-usage, rim-running big, lob target, you know, game-changing defender on the other end. Um, and, and that's what Jared Allen is. And I think bring him in, and all you gave up was a 2022 Milwaukee first, which is probably going to be, like, a, a, in the 20s anyways. I think that's a really good get for them. Um, the question is now, like, what do they do with all these players? Um, if I'm Cleveland, you know, you have to just look through your roster and you go, well, Kevin Love, he's old. You should get rid of him. Andre Drummond, not. You should pawn all these for. guys off. Yeah, you should but pawn the thing all is, these guys off. The one other center that I really like on that team, though, is Larry Nance. And I think his future with the team becomes really interesting now because he might be an interesting trade piece. I think he has a lot of value around the league, but he's such a good passer for his position. And given that. They're kind of devoid of passing elsewhere on the roster outside of Garland. They could really use him and pair him up with Allen and, and think about that as a sort of pairing that they work with going forward. Yeah, I think. I mean, this, go, go ahead, Ray. I was going to say, I, th- I think Larry Nance is a guy that you don't necessarily have to part ways with just because his game doesn't really seem to touch a whole lot of Jared Allen's game right now. I think you could even possibly look into playing them together, even though they both play the center position, mm-hmm. just because, A, Larry Nance is kind of taking. I don't. I can't. I'm not, I can't speak to how much he's making him right now, but he takes a lot of threes, more than you would expect. Um, and yeah, like you said, he can pass the ball pretty well. So I think there's potential to play the two next to each other because again, Larry Nance is a pretty mobile guy. So, I mean, who knows? They get to play around with it, right? They're in a mode right now where they get to play around with a lot of different things and see what works and what doesn't. Yeah. I, I was by the say way, the exact same. Go ahead. No, go, go ahead. ahead. I was gonna say yeah, but same same thing. They can. Uh, um, play together that's that's a very good point because i remember larry nance when when obviously he's developed since uh this point but when he was with the lakers like he was playing four or five like he's one of those guys who who's very agile can move well despite you know 
injuries in his past. So he he can definitely play with Jared Allen. And, you know, for, for the people who love young teams, and I'm not throwing any shots. <laughs> Trust me, I'm not. For the people who love young teams, I mean, this should be a very, very, you know, up-and-coming, appealing team for many, you know, people. You got, obviously, uh, Sexton, Garland, Okoro, uh, Larry Nance, Jared Allen going forward. So I, I guess it's a, it's a good kind of group of guys if, you know, for those people who like to project and stuff. And I, and I know, uh, like, Andre Drummond does a lot of dumb stuff on the court a lot. Like, he never quite lives up to whatever his numbers are at the end of the year. But um, he's obviously on the trade block now. And I think if you're a contending team, namely if you're Boston, go go look at Andre Drummond as a trade piece because I think he's kind of swung from being wildly overrated to now he's kind of underrated in that he has a little more kind of skill to his game than people think that he does. Like everyone thinks he just gets rebounds, but he's actually a very active defender and, and he can guard, you know, in space in the pick and roll pretty well. He racks up a lot of steals and, and creates a lot of deflections. Um, he's more than just a lot of threat. He, he can be a short roll um, threat as well. And he's a better passer than people give him credit for. So while Andre Drummond has a lot of dumb highlights sometimes, I think the team that needs a center could really, you know, find him useful. And they don't have to give up that much to get him. So, I mean, that's just the last point about Andre Drummond, who, who's definitely available right now. As much as I love a guy like Peyton Pritchard uh, to be, you know, uh, a backup point guard for the rest of his career, a good, solid backup point guard, Boston wouldn't even give him up for Andre Drummond. They, they wouldn't give up a, a 2051 second round uh, pick. So uh, I doubt it, but hey, maybe, maybe. I'm trying to think. What what is? I'm, I'm trying to remember what Boston's post like. They've been better in the post than they were last year, right? Just because the presence of Tristan Thompson helps a little bit, but I don't know. Perhaps a, a guy like Andre Drummond helps a little bit more. Um, what's one more angle to look at this trade? I'm trying to think. We already covered the the 76ers and, and whether or not they should have pulled the trigger on the thing. Um, do we want to circle back? Wait, What's up? I mean, we could talk about who ultimately won this whole trade, but that's kind of a dumb question, right? Because the team that gets James Harden probably wins the trade. Right. I mean, who ultimately loses this whole trade? How about that? It's funny because I also want to say Brooklyn as well. Um, if you're looking at it from a long-term perspective, but if you, you that means you also have to look at it from a long-term perspective you know who wins argument and i mean getting four picks and four pick swaps that that's that's pretty crazy i, I did want to mention about brooklyn i look at this team's current roster construction i kind of went down like what the bench looks like it ain't pretty they're like the bench is like pretty ugly at this point and i i mean we I talk mean, about like does it matter or does it not matter but you'd still bruce, need bruce brown bruce brown come uh, you, on down you get bruce brown right and then i'm trying to remember who else you had like, you're going to have to start Harris? giving Nick Claxton some minutes. I mean, Joe Harris starts. Joe Harris starts. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, okay. Je- Jeff Green isn't terrible. Jeff Green's not bad. No. Jeff Green's not bad. Um, and although people didn't want oh, – fine, DeAndre Jordan starts too. But, you know, a lot of people didn't want DeAndre Jordan, and I don't blame them. But he's not, like, awful. You know, he's not bad. So 
I mean, you you have enough guys with those three to just stagger their minutes. You're gonna have to stagger the. I, that I was guess. gonna be my point. Is you're gonna have to stagger the hell yeah. out of their minutes to make sure because yeah. your bench as of right now is Bruce Brown, Shamit, TLC, Jeff Green, and Nick Claxton. And if at any moment I ever see and it's not a blowout, that five on the court by itself, like Steve Nash needs to be immediately terminated because he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. So, um, yeah, that was gonna if, be my Shamit, point. If, if Shamit gets his stuff together though, and, and and becomes a player that we thought he was going to be after his rookie year, that's still I mean that's still pretty good as like a, a bench shooter and kind of like a feisty player. TLC's not TLC, bad. Yeah, TLC's, TLC's not, not terrible. He's not. He's not. I mean, n- none of them will be getting more than like twelve minutes of run in the playoffs, but it's not. To, and I mean, Bruce Brown, he should be starting. I, I'm still. I'm still. Gonna you say still that, think but, he should start? Yeah, why not? Over I mean, who? Who else are you going to start? Um, well, it'll be Kyrie, Bruce Brown, James Harden, Kevin Durant. Um, oh, wait, well, you need Joe Harrison there, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Maybe you don't need to start DeAndre Jordan. I'm not even sure what he's doing on the court. <laughs> Put KD at the five. Bruh, this guy. Anyways. Maybe maybe not. <laughs> but um, Mary, maybe, maybe since they're in kind of need of a center, maybe they should just sign uh, Larry Sanders. Off the free agent market, bro. I was gonna mention too that like this is gonna be a team that you definitely need to look out for once those buyouts start kicking in later exactly. in the season. Exactly, um, they're yeah. definitely gonna they're be like, teams. They're like the perfect uh, Joaquin Noah team if he hasn't retired yet. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that one, but I, I I would rather have Nick Claxton than Joaquin Noah. I think that just speaks to how I view Joaquin Noah at this point in time. Wow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, interesting stuff going on. Interesting stuff. Any any parting shots for uh for this entire ordeal, this trade? Um, no. My whole point about Brooklyn winning and losing this trade of uh eventually is that obviously when you get James Harden, you get the most talented player you know out there, um, available. So you obviously win the trade. But the truth is, like, if they win a couple championships, if they win one championship. Like, I'm sure people will be happy, but you just kind of get the sense that none of these players are really playing to win championships, you know? And it's like, if that if that's who you have at the top of your team, if, you have, if you're spearheaded by players who, like, I'm not super sure that their first priority is I, I want to win a championship, you're mortgaging a lot of your future and a lot of, like, what keeps people engaged like fans year and after year which is just competitiveness for you know a lot of success now but the sort of success that i'm not sure that fans really would enjoy if if you know that if harden Kyrie, and um kd are are just kind of like i don't know like indifferent about the whole process of winning a championship maybe i'm buying into it a little too much because it's kind of like how I felt about the whole Steph KD Warriors. Is like it's great, but also after a certain while, it, it, it's a little bit boring, you know. And it's like, well, now you don't have your entire future. You just gave your whole future away. Well, I, I think mean, it was they, boring because they win a championship, just, it's worth it. It's one hundred percent worth it's it. Undoubtedly worth it. And yeah. I, I think it got boring with the where it got boring for me at least. I can't speak to you, but. Uh, where it got boring for me is it was an in, in, in inevitability where it was like, okay, this is clearly far and away the best team out here. 
Um, but that's not the case with the Brooklyn Nets, right? You still got to go through the 76ers. You still got to go through the Lakers. You'd still have to go through possibly the Clippers, even though, you know, at some point we might have to have a dialogue about the Clippers, man. They, uh, I don't know. But, you know, point being that it's not an, it's not, I cannot say the words and inevitability together. It's not an inevitability when it comes to the Brooklyn Nets. And I think that's where it gets really interesting. And maybe there's some credence to what you're saying is if it becomes a little bit more difficult than perhaps was anticipated for some of those dudes, are they willing to put up? But for me, you don't get to this level of basketball. You don't get to this level in any professional sport if you're not a competitor, right? So I think when it's time to compete, you're going to see three of the top 10 players in the NBA go out there and put their hearts on the floor and compete. So I think that's ultimately what good, what's going to make the Brooklyn Nets an extremely fun team to watch. And arguably, you know, like we mentioned at the top of the show, might be the best big three of all time. And, you know, if they figure out a way to put it together, that's going to be one hell of a team to watch, man. Really, really, really quickly, who, who do you think, uh, who do you guys think has had better teammates? LeBron or KD? Oh Lord, are we doing this? Is this what we've come to? On the we, we can do this. We can do this uh, separate episode. LeBron or KD? Oh, KD. Both have had Kyrie. One had Steph. One had D Wade. One had Clay. One had Ray Allen. One had Draymond. The other had Bosh. And the other one had James Harden. The other one had AD. Um, I think with James Harden, it tilts in KD's favor. Even when you got AD. I mean, now, if you had Harden, well, I guess he played with Harden before, right? I mean, but I guess this current version of Harden, it, it kind of tilts to KD. And I reluctantly say that because I hate when everyone is like, LeBron has no help when he used to have, you know, the greatest teammates ever. But <laughs> now, yeah. I think, I think, yeah, now, given the amount of talent KD has with him, it's hard, it's hard to say. And then, of course, he played with Steph and all of them. You know, it, it's hard to say. It's not Kevin Durant. Yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. No, I I was just thinking about that question the other day because, you know, you obviously, they both played with Kyrie and then Steph and D-Wade. D-Wade was at the kind of tail end of his prime. I mean, Clay and Ray Allen are like the same and then Draymond and Bosh are like perfect number threes and then Harden and AD. It's a close one for me. I I, I mean, I just look at the fact that Kevin Durant himself, an MVP, has stood next to two MVPs now. Um, that's a kind of the deal breaker for me when you have Harden and Curry, both guys who have won MVPs in their own right. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm inclined to say Kevin Durant as well. But, you know, who who knows how that sort of stuff plays out, right? Because just because you play next to talent doesn't mean you've had better teammates doesn't mean these things always work out. Um so Some, it'll someone's be, gonna have to stand in the corner. We, like we all know how that. Get in the damn corner, Joe. Just gonna be Joe Harris. I, it's gonna be interesting because I, I feel Joe like Harris, Joe Harris might have the best time of his life, though. Tight, <laughs> how honestly. open he is. Him and DeAndre. DeAndre might have to tap back into uh, Clippers DeAndre Jordan at this point. But um, I mean, it, it's it's. I feel like there's not one singular guy. Who and this is probably I guess my parting shot. There's not going to be one singular guy, whether it's Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, or James Harden, that steps back and becomes that third guy. More so, it's going to be at different points and different stages, perhaps maybe depending on on the team that they're playing in the matchups or who has a hot hand on a particular night. That's going to be who takes the third step back on on, yeah. on a particular night. And I, I, I mean, do, there is no there is no team in the NBA with three premier. Not that I can think of, other than maybe Milwaukee than three like premier defenders that can each hold their own one-on-one 
with three guys like that. It's it's crazy to think about. It's crazy to think about. No doubt about it. And it's like okay, so if we have if we're if we're playing, you know, the Philadelphia 76ers and they match Ben Simmons on um, Kevin Durant and they match uh, who who's their best perimeter. I guess Danny Green. I mean, Danny Green. Uh, I know. guess I guess the Clippers could be the best kind of matchup because you have two long wings in Kawhi and PG, and then you have Patrick Beverly, Patrick Beverly to maybe disturb Kyrie a bit. But yeah, th- that's tough. That's tough. Patrick Beverly ain't holding Kyrie. What are we doing? <laughs> but, I mean, I'm just saying maybe that's the best thing to try to contain them. I don't know. But it'll be it'll be interesting. But yeah, I guess that's my underlying point. Is I don't think there's a one, two, three, especially given how close these three guys seem to be. Um, I can't speak to Harden and Kyrie, but I know Harden and KD are pretty close. KD and, and Kyrie are pretty close. I can't imagine that there's going to be any sort of squabble between Harden and Kyrie. It's just going to be like a a three. You know what I mean? It's not going to be a here's guy, here's guy, here's guy. It's just going to be a collective. And I think you know. You know, before they start coming to call me a communist, I just think it's going to be kind of an everybody eats situation, which could be interesting to watch. But I think that'll do it for this episode, unless y'all want to any last. Nah, yeah, that'll do it for this episode of Hoop and Holler. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. Make sure you go check out Eddie's tweets. Eddie, has anyone gotten close to a good game recently? Anyone just one assist or one rebound away from hooping? Uh, I haven't really paid attention I don't think so there was one player that I was gonna uh, there's one player who got a triple double and I was gonna tweet out if he had one less rebound he would have had a better game I think I think oh I think Luca missed out one rebound away from having a good game he only had 38 points and 13 assists damn Luca So close yet so far. Either way, Russell Westbrook's been hooping because he's having a lot of good games. But that'll do it for this episode of Hoop and Holler. Keep updated with the Brooklyn Nets. Keep updated with us. we got a lot of exciting stuff coming down the pipeline. As always, go check out the Twitter and Instagram at SQR1Hoops. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we will see you guys next time. This has been the Hoop and Holler Podcast.